A ship sails along the coastline of the Roman occupied island of Britain towards the shores of Ireland. It's the fourth century, and the Roman army, which once protected the cities and villages of ancient Britain, has been called away to defend the Roman Empire against invaders. Earlier in the day, just before dawn, this group of Irish pirates attacked a fortified city, now left defenseless, carrying away a cargo of male and female slaves. Among this cargo is Patrick, the nearly 16-year-old son of a British magistrate. Though his family escaped the attack, Patrick was now en route to a life of hardship and suffering that he was not prepared for. And though he grew up in a Christian home, he has no faith of his own. But as he is taken as a slave into the service of a Druid tribal chieftain, Patrick learns to pray. In his long hours as a herdsman, tending to sheep and livestock, Patrick begins praying. In his memoir titled Confessions, Patrick claims, But after I had come to Ireland, it was then that I was made to shepherd the flocks day after day, and, as I did so, I would pray all the time, right through the day. More and more the love of God and fear of Him grew strong within me, and as my faith grew, so the Spirit became more and more active. In snow, in frost, in rain, I would hardly notice any discomfort. And I was never slack, but always full of energy. It is clear to me now that this was due to the Spirit within me." So Patrick grew in favor among his fellow slaves. Eventually, he earned the nickname Holy Boy, and his devotion to Christ grew as well. He was known to pray through the night, trusting God for all that he needed. But the evil of slavery is so cruel and inhumane that the prayers of Patrick in Ireland were filled with the cries of suffering, and the Lord heard his prayers. Just as he did for a woman nearly 1,500 years earlier, crying out to God because she was unable to bear children. Her name was Hannah, and she was married to a man named Elkanah. What made her pain even worse was that Elkanah had another wife, and she had given him several children, and Elkanah's other wife would taunt Hannah every time they would come to the tabernacle, their place of worship. But one day, Hannah had gone to the tabernacle alone. And the book of 1 Samuel records Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you, and he will be yours for his entire lifetime. And the Lord heard her prayer, and he saw her tears as did Eli, a priest in the temple, who saw Hannah crying and moving her lips, but he couldn't hear her talking. So he said to her, "'Must you come here drunk?' he demanded. "'Throw away your wine.' "'Oh, no, sir,' she replied. "'I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow.' "'In that case,' Eli said, Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you've asked of him." And the author of 1 Samuel tells us that Hannah is brought joy by this act of compassion by Eli, and she returned home no longer sad. Now, neither Patrick nor Hannah would have ever planned to end up in the situations they were in, but they trusted God. They devoted themselves to him, and the Lord changed their plans. 
welcome the not great parents here, all the not great parents out there. Yeah. To join the two. The not great parents in here. Right, to join two not great parents in here uh, for our second episode of the Not Great Parents podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I am too. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good, what about you? Not great, but. <laughs> I guess I should say the same thing. Not great. And I'm yeah. okay with that. Um, we're okay. Things are things are going good. Literally, before we started filming, Molly was giving me some parenting advice on a situation in our home that's not going great. Yeah. But we're trying to handle it good. Completely unsolicited good parenting advice that I threw it's out the there. the best but... kind of parenting oh, advice. Yeah. So. Exactly. So anyway, yes, we also have had some not great yeah. moments in our house this week. And yeah. um, my child's been wanting to do some things his way and not liking to hear mm. my answer. And um, That after... sounds like something nobody can relate to. <laughs> right. We so. all can relate to that. Yes, exactly. So, But, but you know what? I'm I'm proud to be a not great parent because I think yeah. you know I I think in the responses which haven't all been perfect with my kids but yeah. certainly um, they have been responses that have had God at the center and I've been trying to you know yeah. do do the right thing in those moments with my kids. Well, and I think in particular to what we talked about here on the the very first episode of this was this idea that. Our goal is not to be great. In fact, if I pursue great, uh, and so the situation, I don't know what situation you're talking about, but the situation we were talking about, which is a similar thing, there's something I know that would be good for my kid to do, uh, and I want it done my way on my schedule, uh, but my pursuit of this has to happen in this way at this time, uh, which would be great. If it could happen, that pursuit of I'm a great parent who can get things done on the schedule in the time I want ends up not allowing me to behave like Christ in that situation. And I think the benefit that, you know, Molly and I have having these kind of conversations and hopefully will be this way for you as you listen is we get that little bit of a check that when someone goes, hey, that may not be the, the, the most Jesus way to approach this situation. Mm-hmm. It allows you to remind yourself, my goal is not great, right? But it's to be good, like Christ is good, right? And to have Christ-like response, Christ-like responses to things, and right? To to model that for our kids. Well, because you can't, you can't force your kid to follow Jesus. Now, what what I mean by that is not you can't bring them to church because you are in charge of where they go. Absolutely. I'm not saying you can't make them read the Bible because you are in charge of, hey, these are the way our family's going to operate. What I mean is you cannot force Christ-likeness into them. You will be patient. You will be kind. But what we can do is be Christ-like. Right. I can be patient. Right. Uh, you know, and in the particular situation we were talking about, because it's something I want to happen on my my time, is I, can, I can't get you to move past this thing. But I can be patient mm-hmm. because I have the perspective of an adult to go, this isn't going to go on forever. Right. And this situation isn't going to be the way I want it to be forever. And so mm-hmm. uh, my goal is just to model what Christ is like and hope that because Christ's way is so good and pleasing and perfect, they, in their own way, in their own time, will say, that's the best way to live. Right. It's no different than when we're talking about adults, too, and we say, uh, let's try to live our lives in a way that's appealing to others. That's right. It's the same thing with our kids. You know, we're modeling that, and we're saying, 
you know, this is how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. And we're showing them different ways. And they're, our kids are such observers of us. Yeah. And so that is, you know, not any different. And they can, they can, yes. you know, they can learn those things from us. The goal, you know, with the parenting, obviously, is that we have more influence in that. And we have more right. ways that we can that we can uh, tee up those conversations yes. or set those you know, scenarios for kids. But our goal is always to be Christ-like parents and to be good parents, not necessarily Well, great. and like we said last episode, you have to give up great to get good. It doesn't mean that you won't ever get this greatness you're looking for, but it is not a balancing act. It is not, I really want great and I hope I get some good. You have to give up great to give to get the Christ likeness the way that Christ would say it is what good is it if you gain the whole world right. what does it benefit you but you lose your soul and to recap what we had talked about greatness is defined not by God it's defined by the world right. we are saying that goodness is this life that that Jesus has outlined for us and is clear for us yes greatness is often what the world is saying our kids should be yes success and what we should be as parents and what success looks like so well and as we're going to hear in this story that kind of started our our whole thing where we're looking at the story of Patrick who spoiler alert becomes who we <laughs> now refer to as Saint Patrick. This is the day before. Wait a minute. It's not just about shamrocks. And no, <laughs> no. We've got a little green in our set for those of you that are watching. Oh, yes. And this is worn green this is what color would you call that? Oh, well, it's like blue that's green. That's like a turquoise, but there's some green undertones. There's a little bit of green undertones in that house. So there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of green here. Uh, that was not intentional. It just happened no. that way. But uh, I did, when I was at Aldi, see a shamrock candle and I almost bought it for this episode. For those of you who are just listening to the podcast on our set, we have a candle because uh, I'm a big candle guy. And right. so we have different candles. This week is the egg hunt candle that In, Molly got for my birthday. I did. I so. thought Nathan likes candles. He's partial to the three-wick kind. I do I like the three-wick kind. I saw some and I thought, Nathan, here you go. And we've been working on planning an egg hunt together. Very much so. like St. Patrick's faulty description <laughs> of the Trinity as exactly. being a shamrock. The candle fits in the same right. thing. But you know, you have Patrick that we talked about. You have uh, uh, Hannah, who, uh, as you'll learn in the story, once again, spoiler alert, gives birth <laughs> to Samuel, who's the prophet, who is the one who God uses to identify King David, who then becomes the line of Jesus. Um, their life, their plan for their life was not what it was. You know, Hannah had a plan of what her, I'm confident she did. She had a plan of, this is when I'll get pregnant. And this is what my my kids will be like. And, you know, Patrick's plan did not include getting kidnapped and, and sold into slavery. <laughs> so they did, yeah, they did not have this as their plan for greatness, but because they chose to seek God. And the plan for goodness. Glory. Yes, they devote themselves to God's kingdom, his plan for their life. They end up, end up doing things that we would look at and say, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's pretty impactful in the world. Uh, and we'll get to that later. But I thought, as we've been talking, don't you think every parent at some point, whether it's when you you find out you're pregnant right. or you're holding that baby or they're going into middle school or high school, you have a plan for greatness of what your kid, of what their great life is going to be. And often yeah. those plans seem pretty clear. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're holding that baby and you're thinking, what are they going to be when they grow up? And who are they going to impact? And, yeah. and and you're thinking, you know, will they 
will they exceed in this area? Are they yeah. excelling? Whatever it is that they are gifted with, I want them to be yeah. the best at that, yeah. whatever it is. And I think all parents do that with their kids when they're young. I think. Well, especially if you've got social media. Oh, well, yeah, because every every child on social media is going to be the greatest yes. child. And again, comparison is, is, you know, so easy to do with social media. Well, and I think you end up seeing this person's plan for greatness and this person's because they're highlighting the great moments. And you look at, you know, especially once your kids are able to get into sports. Oh, yeah. And, and grades start actually mattering and there's clubs and there's hobbies and you start kind of the picture of who they're becoming starts to solidify in your mind of, oh, they're really into baseball. It used to be that if you had the bumper sticker that said your kid was in the honor roll, that was like, that was pretty much parents saying how great their kids are. Now, every aspect of their life is on social media yes. or is, is put out there. So yes. it's not, no longer is my kid just an honor roll student. My kid's yes. an honor roll student and we're the travel ball team and we're you know going to some championship game and my kid is you know doing x y and z at school and so it's now this bigger picture and it's all yeah. right there for you to see well and i think you know we were talking about it earlier before we were filming but you know i get my kid into sports or i get him into school and there's going to be some guidance counselor or there's going to be some coach on a team who will lay out the plan for you right. that if you ask them they will say if your kid's into baseball if he joins this travel team and gets this coach and then he goes and you know gets tutored on on his swing by this person and he learns how to pitch from this person and he does x amount of things scouts will notice he can get a college scholarship. And, and that plan sounds great. It does. And it sounds it's pretty definitive. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds very, you know, I do this, this happens next, this happens next, this happens next. And at the end, we spit out that MLB player or yes. whatever Or it even is. if it's not that, they just get to have they're a great, great high school experience because they're on the yes. high school team. And I know they're not going pro, but they just had a lot of fun. And then... Your your great plan doesn't go according to because now you've got a thirteen year old that they're pretty artistic and yeah they did they did sports for X amount of years but now all that money you spent on conditioning and training right. and these videos to make them learn this and this <laughs> yes. different you know camp that you sent them to and all of that has fallen apart and now they want to paint yeah and you go well how are you going to make any money painting right and they're not even planning to make money painting they they just they just they like, just to, like paint. to do it or they don't like to do anything and they just want to play video games mm -hmm. and you start thinking how is that going to look on it? Yeah. Oh, they must I can't be, get them to go what? outside. They could be a computer programmer. <laughs> yes, or whatever. You you figure out what the thing yes. is. And maybe, maybe video games has nothing to do with their life, but you can't see how it fits into greatness. Right. You just think, well, they're just doing this thing, and that's all they want to do. And you're thinking, who they are today is now who they're going to be for the rest of their life. Well, and you start thinking through the plan. And if you're, and if you're like me, and you're a planner, and I know I you're know, a bit I of a planner, too. you start thinking out, Okay, how can we minimize these things that aren't greatness? And how can I teach them to go out and grind and mm -hmm. hustle and learn to make the most of their time? And we have all these plans for greatness. But I think the question that we want to deal with for today is, what's your plan for goodness? Right. We, we kind of think, oh, well, my kid, if he's going to excel at sports, here's the plan. And he has to start at five if he wants to be great at 18. Right. Like, we no longer at the place where your kid can just play rec ball and that's enough because there are right. 30,000 travel options. teams. So, you know, if they're going to be competitive, they got to start now. 
And you can't just squeeze sports in and on the side. But for some reason, we think, well, you'll squeeze God in in these right. little in-between moments. Right. While you're pursuing greatness, just throw God in. And we think they will catch that. And I think our question is, what's your plan? Right. Because... Like we said, if you don't have a plan, that plan's gonna get made for you. Yes. So it is really imperative that you have a plan for goodness. My, my profession is education and I want students to do well and I especially want my, my two children to do well. But being able to see that ultimately that is not why we are here. We are not here to make good grades and get into good colleges and, and get the best jobs out there. My mom was the type, we had to be at church every Sunday. Um, they actually gave out perfect attendance awards every year for, every, for the people who had attended Sunday school every Sunday of that year. And I mean, my family and I, we always got that award. My husband, he's been in church all his life too. Kind of a similar experience. Um, to what I had about the importance of church. So when we got married, the first Sunday back from our honeymoon, um, we found a church in Carrollton. That's where we were living. We made the point early on that church is a priority. Our youngest son is really into baseball and he wants to, to do travel baseball. And I think he's good enough. And I think he would really enjoy that level of competition, but we just, as a family, can't make the decision to miss church so many Sundays out of the year because that's when baseball tournaments are. We do have people in our lives, even family members, who are really active in the travel sports arena where they are gone all weekend, you know, several weekends in a row. and. They, I have actually had a family member say, you know, Jonah really needs to be in travel baseball. Um, you know, you, I just have to say, you know, as a family, we've just decided that that's not a priority for us. We're not willing to take the time, one, away from our other child, make him spend the whole weekend at the ball field. But also, you know, church is important and we have to be at church on Sunday. Um, we're not going to miss church for baseball. Not just the teaching, but the relationships and having people pour into them and pour into us as adults too um, every Sunday. That's just not something that we're willing to give up and it's non-negotiable and our children know that. So being a teacher and I, I teach at the school where my children go, so I know their, their teachers personally, I know their peers, I teach a lot of their peers, um, and so I know what's expected of them, I know what they are capable of doing. Like overall, both of my children make fairly decent grades. They, you know, we're lucky that they don't really struggle um, in that area. But it's still hard for me, even if one bad grade on one assignment comes home, for me not to, I wouldn't say lose it. I don't ever lose it, but, but question it. Like what happened here? You can do so much better, especially with our 10 year old, he's in fifth grade. And beginning last year, he started dealing with some uh, major, I don't want to label it bullying because I feel like that term is overused, but he, you know, he was dealing with some different personalities um, and some sh was struggling with some relationships that he had with some friends. You know, we really need to focus on his heart and how he treats people and kind of training him to accept others 
and love them, but also be able to kind of, you know, guard his heart. That's a little cliche, but um, give him strategies and training and encouragement. I, I can't even begin to think how many times we've said to our 10 year old, like, have you prayed about that? You need to pray about that. We'll pray about that with you. Um, in, in our family, Brad and I try to model um, what it looks like to love Jesus and love others. You know, our, our kids see us every Wednesday night without fail. We are on small group or virtual. So we sit in the kitchen every Wednesday night on group. Um, they know about our on mission groups. They don't see us doing that um, throughout the week just because it's early and we do it before they get up. But every other Saturday, you know, they're, they're with us for our meetings. Um, they get tired of like, oh, we're going to run this food to this person or we're going to the church to do this. And, you know, they will be like, oh, why do we have to do this? You know, and we that gives us a chance to explain to them like this is how we love people. And it's important for us to show our love to people. My, my profession is education and I want students to do well. And I especially want my, my two children to do well. But being able to see that ultimately, like, a 60 on a paper in fifth grade or second grade is not going to ruin their whole life. And that that is not why we are here. We are not here to make good grades and get into good colleges and, and get the best jobs out there. Um, that our, our purpose here is to continue the mission of Jesus, to love others and um, disciple to others. And so just trying to get that instilling the right things in them and making the right things the priority in their lives. Um, it's a little difficult and it's something that I, I feel like I'm learning as I go with that and doing a lot of self-talk to step back um, and not be so hard, especially on my fifth grader. Um, just trying to remember that that is not the most important thing. So we know that for each kid and each individual kid, there really is sort of a plan for greatness out there for them. Yes. What, what the world thinks that they should do to get yes. to their greatness state. And it's different for each kid. Oh, for sure. You know, and I can see it with my kids. I got four daughters and each one of them, I'm beginning to see like this kid is, you know, my oldest is very artistic and, but she's also such a leader in what she does. And I just, I can see all these different possible branches of what she's going to do with her life. And I do mean in her in her career, what she could possibly do yeah. or how she could use those things to help the church. And I've got one who's really theatrical. Mm. And she, and I don't even mean like acting. I just mean her personality is so bubbly and it's out yes. there. And I could see all different capabilities for her. And the plan I know looks different. And my personality is I am such a success-driven person. Yes. I am a greatness-driven person. Yeah. I, I have to Me fight too. it. And I can see myself trying to go, okay, well, then you need to learn this skill and you need to learn and this take, thing. Yes. Those are the gifts that you've been given. And these are the things that you have. And, you know, God's given you these gifts of art or whatever it might be. But now we're going to take it to this level. Yeah. And because I want to, and it, it is love. So I, I, I think sometimes when we talk about this, it sounds like it's, it is coming from a place of love in that I want to set my kid up that whatever path they end up choosing, they'll be able to do it to the best of their abilities. But I think to the point that we're asking here today is how much time and attention are we giving to their plan for 
goodness. And in particular, what we mean by goodness is Christ's likeness. Right. I think you said it, we were talking another time, you said, are we going to cheat goodness to get greatness? And mm. I think, you know, you can look at that in the time, you know, even in the time study that you would do, you would say, how much time are we cheating from goodness to get that greatness? Yes. So, and, and, and in particular, I would say too, is how much emotional energy. Absolutely. When I have that downtime and my kids are in bed and all the day is running through my head and I'm sitting and I'm that rhymed like a Dr. Seuss. Thing. I know. I, <sighs> That's da, 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 good. Da, da. I'm going to put that in a poem. Yeah, I give that to one of my kids. She wrote a poem the other day. Was she it is, a haiku? She, no, it's not a haiku. Not Sawyer. Producer Sawyer. Master haiku maker. Uh, but I will say, um, she's not going to be a poet. But that's all right. But she was trying. But she did. And I said, that's that's that's, that's a, good. That's good. That ain't great, baby. <laughs> but we can do good with it. But I think when, when I'm having those moments and I start kind of freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. And I start going, oh, man, I'm not doing enough as dad. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm not doing enough as mom and great moms, great dads have already got this plan in place. And right. if you have people in my life, my mom is one of these people who's like, I'm so a planner, <laughs> but she is like perfection planner. Like, oh, I plan like the bullet point versions of things. My yes. mom is bullet points with like two or three sub points and then maybe yes. some other things over on the side. And, I and go, so ah. I, I've always felt like, man, she, she you know, the, moms like that, they just have the whole thing together. The amount of emotional energy, am I putting that amount of emotional energy into praying for my kid mm -hmm. and about their love for Jesus? Am I putting that amount of emotional energy into thinking of, do they have friends at church? Right. Do they have people they care about at church? I know I bring them to church, but do they have people they're invested in? Do they? Do I hear them talk about their leaders? Right. Do yeah. I know other adults that are invested mm -hmm. in my children? Yes. And is my emotional energy, is that, what is my plan for goodness, for for Christ's likeness, and so I think we want to spend a little bit of time trying to figure out how do I even begin, right? Oh yeah, because here we're telling you, don't be a great parent, be a good parent, and yeah. so we got to. Well, and we need Molly to and I work at a like. church. And we're thinking about the plans for your kids a lot, so it kind of makes sense. Well, they'll occasionally think about their kids, but you've got. And you've got whole other thoughts about your personal job and Absolutely. your schedule and your kids. So it's, it's a struggle for us. I know it's a struggle for everybody. And what, so Molly, where do you think it begins? Where do you think it begins of going, I want to plan for my kid to have a good relationship with Christ and to care about Christ? Well, for me, when I look at really, I look at what would it take to have any kind of relationship? Mm. So what does it take for you and I? We, we are coworkers, but we, right. you know, what does it take for us to have any kind of relationship? Well, relationships involve time. Yes. I mean, you don't just walk into a scenario and have a close relationship with somebody that you've never really talked to. That's right. Or don't consistently talk to. Yeah, you certainly don't care as much about that, but you're not as right. invested in that right. relationship. So time is huge. Yeah. Um, I think dialogue with that person. Yeah. Um, it's not good communication. Good communication. I think listening, hearing yes. what that, you know, slowing down and, and being present in those moments with that person. All of those things, you know, Go together well, you know, to make relationships. Here's another one happen. that I'll add to what you said that I think is huge is caring about what they care about. That's huge. Because, you know, we just had, uh, and this will be a plug for something you'll hear us talk more about, but in one of our parenting events, it wasn't the last one, but the uh, one previous to that, 
we had a conversation about the five love languages uh, yep. and, and, and knowing your kid and their temperament and their personality, and how they receive love. And most of us don't think about it this way. How does God receive love? How does oh, Jesus? I don't think I've ever thought about it. Like, how does exactly Jesus like receive love? Because I hear so many people say, and I think we're going to do this on a future episode, but I, I, I've started ever since I was teaching teenagers, I hear them say, I love Jesus. And my question always would be back is, how do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? Because love is not, and, and I think we all know this. So, I mean, I'm it's not, not saying a feeling. It's, it's an not action. a feeling. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> it's it, and it really is, it really is a state of being because there is a way in which I'm not always doing loving actions for my kids. But I know there's a baseline of love that is there for my kids. And obviously, more often than not, I'm doing loving actions. But I'm not a great parent. And so I mess it up. Right. And not every time. But there's always an underlying sense of love. And I think Jesus says, if you love me, you obey my commands. So that right there is a big one. Right there. If How do I know I love Jesus? I'm doing what he tells me to do. And then he says, my commands are really this. They all come back to love, but they are slightly different. There's love God. Right? So put God first in everything. What he means is desire God. You talked prioritize God. Prioritizing God. God. Right? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So that means every person, as I say to my kids, every time we pray, one of my kids will pray at lunch or dinner or bedtime. And then at the end of the prayer, and I don't know where this started, but they've just all, at the end of every prayer, they say, Jesus' name, amen. And then all the kids say, love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) And I think it began because in the pandemic when, I had gotten right. these kids into my home and I, you know, I missed so much time with, with three of them. And I was like, I just need to prioritize it. We every morning did what's known as the Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all right. your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then I would always add, and you know, Jesus said equal to that is love your neighbor as yourself. So every time we pray, they end whatever they're asking God for, which is an act of love. Praying is an act of love to God. They end by saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the kids will say, and who is your neighbor? And those, the, <laughs> the other ones know to respond. Whoever is next to you. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor, he means... Whoever is next to you. Yeah, whoever is near to me. Whoever Not the person that lives in the house next to you only. Yes. It's whoever is next to you. And so that could be a customer in line. Mm -hmm. That could be the kid that they're in school with in class. It could be a teammate. It could be a... It could be the teacher they hate. Right. (laughs) It It could be be. the teacher they really dislike and they got to learn to do that, which leads to Jesus says, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. That's a command that he gives, love your enemy. So how do I forgive the people? But the the big command he gives right before he goes to the cross is love one another just like I loved you. And what he means by love one another is he means brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean, as we've already said, you are to love everybody always. That's what we say, right. love everyone always. That's love your neighbor as yourself. Right. That's often that's, love your enemies. <laughs> that's literally love everyone. <laughs> right. But Jesus says there's a prioritized command, a new command. Right. that I give to you, which is the people in your community, mm-hmm. meaning the church community, the, those brothers and sisters, you are to love them like Jesus has loved you. And so I would say, you know, like you said, the time and attention, I think we all kind of inherently know, oh, well, you give time to God, you got to pray. Right. Pray and read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. Every kid's favorite answer to things. <laughs> yes. But I those would, are real things. Those are, and I'm not. I'm not teasing. I just meant we know what those things look like. But if I'm going to care about what God cares about, if I'm going to speak right. God's love language, right, right, 
That's good. That'll preach. That, there you go. I'm gonna write this. We on here so he can come up with these things. We were in a brainstorming meeting and I, I said something. I don't remember what and it was. And he says, write that down. I said, write that down. That's good. I want to keep that. I'm going to put that in a sermon at some point. <laughs> right. Happens like every other meeting with you. Right. That is true. I go, <laughs> yeah. He, he just hit, gets something catchy. And I go, like, oh, that's good. Oh, Let's that's write, good. That write that down. That that'll down. preach. <laughs> That'll preach. So that's a good one. Speak God's love language. Yes. We'll do a whole series. But of it's that. true. I mean, yeah. it is. It's, it is. It is good. Good work. <laughs> but Thank you. Thank you. That's what I've been waiting for. That's whole what life he wanted for. to hear approval on that. But Just I mean, pat me on the back. That's my love language. It, well, it is. It is my love language. Touch and words of affirmation. Those so are the I ones that so you pat me on the back. Tell me I do good here. That's, that's yeah, and mine is gifting. <laughs> Which is why I gave you a candle. So I think, you know, like you said, I think it's knowing that, that knowing what God's love language or how how God wants us to love him. That is. Which is what we would call discipleship. We would call it teaching our children to obey everything Jesus commanded, knowing that he gave special priority to love your neighbor, love your enemies, and love the church. And so I would say that to anybody who says, I want to know if my kid loves God, I would say, I would measure that by how much they love church. Right. The relationship with God is is connected. They're connected. I mean, I think that connected to the relationship they have with the church. So if. And not, just to be clear for people who say, not community Christian church. What we mean is their love for brothers and sisters who together we're following Jesus. And right now, that is community Christian right. church for them. Right. And but, someday it might not be. But yes. is but if you have kids that are going off somewhere, it's they're gonna plug in and connect to another community of well, that's what we believers hope for. and go to another church, hopefully. Well, I think that's and, the goal, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think that where we can prepare our children to leave our homes and go out in this world and have their own relationship with Christ. Yes. That is real founda- real, and foundational to who they are. That's our goal as parents. That's They're not our children. <laughs> we didn't design them ourselves. God designed them and entrusted them to us to help them get there so that they would still be connected to him and in relationship with him. And I think that's when we talk about you have a plan for greatness, you have a plan for goodness. I think sometimes there are some parents who go, I don't really care if my kid has a great job or has a great this. I just want them to be happy. But what I do know is there are conversations you have with your kids where you go, one day I'm not going to be around. Oh, yeah. And you need to know how to tie your shoes. Right. <laughs> or oh, you yeah. need to know how, how to, to cook. Yes, or how to pay your bills. Or how to, you know, and people, those are true things. They are true, and I'm not taking that away. What I'm saying is, is you have a plan to teach them things to take care of their body mm-hmm. and to take care of their finances. If you don't, you should have a plan on how to take care <laughs> of their finances. But all those things, do you have a plan of saying, this is how I'll know that I, I, I really tried my best to raise them to love God. Now, once again, and I think we're going to have to say this on this podcast, you can be the best, most Christ-like parent. And because your child is a person, they can choose not to follow God when they're an adult. They can choose God to say— God gave them that choice. Right. And love requires that I give them that choice. Exactly. But as when they're young, my job is to model Christ-likeness. And so because I 
follow Jesus, which means I love the church and I go to church, my kids go to church with me. Right. Just like when I go to the grocery store, they go. And when you had like a two-year-old, whatever bathroom you went into, they, they also went into. Went into. It's yes. Not because for the rest of their life you were planning to take them to the bathroom. And you said, one it's day hard. I'm not going to be here. Right. One day I'm not going to be here. You have to do this yourself. But it's, yes. it's part of that, those stages of parenting that we do where yes. we're you know, training we do it with them and we're modeling it and we're training and that continues on. And it also carries over in the way that yes. we modeled Christ to them. So what does it look like practically then? I think to your do goal this? is so, what, what, when my kid is 18 or 19 or 20, or they go off to college or they, they, they're moving out of the house. Mm -hmm. My goal is that my kid, no matter where they end up, they, they find a church body to plug into because mm -hmm. I trust that that church body will continue their love for God and their mm -hmm. love for that. But if I want that to happen at 18, it has to be a priority now. And so I do think when we said it, of how do I measure that I'm prioritizing God, I do think it's how you're prioritizing church with your kids. And I think you say, so too. this matters to me and it should matter to you. Mm -hmm. I can say from my own life, I mean, I'm in my 40s now, but... I went to church every Sunday. It was an, just a non-negotiable. Did I have weeks I hated it? Did my parents and I, you know, disagree about yeah. it a lot of times? Off and on, yes. Yeah. Um, but did I have friends in my group? Yep. Yeah. Do I have? Did I have people um, that were my parents' friends or people in the church that also invested in me? Absolutely. All those things happened, and I did go off and and I did my own thing a little bit, mm -hmm. but I always knew yes. <laughs> that I would be going back to church. I would be there every, that I would yeah. be connecting with people. And it would not have happened had that not have happened in my life growing up. And it just became a non-negotiable in my parents' life. And we did a lot of stuff. I was very involved in all kinds of different things, sports, different things like that. But church and being at church and being in the physical presence of people I was in relationship with, that was always prioritized. All right, well, I have Sawyer here with us today, and Sawyer is our student pastor. And so, Sawyer, introduce yeah. yourself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of fun uh, just on Sunday morning to interact with your your teenage students, um, and it is a it is a huge privilege of mine to uh, to work here and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm excited for this conversation right now. Absolutely, we talked um, earlier about having a plan, and we talked about as parents, we want to make sure that um, we are encouraging our children to have a relationship with Jesus, and um, that that needs to be. A plan, and yeah. so we know that we, um, as a church, try to provide resources and things for um, for everybody to um, grow closer to, closer to God, and that includes our students. So I wanted to invite Sawyer on to talk to us a little bit about what we call our student path. Yeah. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, we call it that mainly just because you know we we have an opportunity with kids in general to be with them for a very small amount of time uh, on Sunday mornings usually. And just as someone who works on staff at a church, and I've only been doing it for like a year and a half, I've realized that the amount of intentionality that goes into each and every second of that time yep. has to be like at the maximum. Because if it's not tuned 
as like specifically as it can be. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of like sacrifices and compromises that you have to make. Um, and so we want to make as few of those as we can. And um, you know, we think a lot about like where a kid is right now versus where we want them to be and right. stuff like that. And so kind of the beginning of the path and yeah, the end and, of the path. Yeah, exactly. And like the end of the path in, in our, in, especially in my brain as a student pastor is like when they graduate high school, right. where as their student pastor, where do I want them? And like, I also want to be like in agreement with the parents and stuff like that. That's like right. almost the biggest part of my job is trying to be on the same page with parents. Um, that is just so you want you part. want the children to leave the home and go and yeah. join a church and be part of a church community and yeah. have their own independent relationship with God. Exactly. And and I don't know exactly how that looks because we're actually really early on in implementing this idea of a student pathway is the thing. And so like right now we've really just got like two things that literally the eighth graders really they're the only ones that we're like focusing on because they're going to be kind of the uh, the test mice almost. So. Uh, they're, yeah. <laughs> Test mice. That's one way of wording it. Yeah. Well, I do think it's really, um, you know, I know it's new and, but, but it, the concept isn't new, right? No, I mean, not. we, we are doing the same with adults. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the first part, which I know is a Bible plan. Yeah. And it's actually something that we've been doing now for, well, at the time of this coming out, I think it'll be about just over a month or so we've been doing and it's it's actually going really great tell me how it works so So, if i'm an eighth grader or i am a parent of an eighth grader what what is what does it look like yeah so basically uh you download you version is the thing if you're in the eighth grade group with me and uh bill and valicia you download the you version bible app the the student does yes the student does and you create an account and basically we just get to see we're in a Bible plan together. Right now there's nine of us in there, nine or ten of us. That's great. And all in uh, the eighth and ninth grade. All in the eighth and ninth grade group. And it's just really great for me personally to see these students making their faith their own. Their parents didn't make them. I I was very intentional about making sure that the students know this is on you. Like I got permission from your parents, but like you're gonna do this. And right. a lot of them actually went out of their way to make that choice. And it's mm-hmm. really exciting just for me as a as a young youth pastor to be right. able to see that. Right, to see that, that so. many kids want to do it together. So yeah. so you all do it through you version. Mm-hmm. And so do you communicate with each other each day? Yeah, and so and again we're we're early on, so like right now it's literally just like saying, Yep, I read it. But like So it's accountability and exactly. also everybody reading the same thing every day, I'm assuming. Yeah, exactly. We all have the same scripture. We have a little devotional that we read. Um, and, and you know, what's exciting is like where it's going to go, how it's going to evolve. I'm really excited because like probably in the next month or two, maybe when this, by the time this episode comes out, we're going to start being like, all right, guys, what was the best part of your day through the Bible reading plan? Just trying to create, you know, almost church conversations that can happen in a organic manner throughout the week is the thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know. You say it's small, but that's how training starts, right? Exactly. We're, we're training kids, and, and you guys are, you know, at a youth age, but we're mm-hmm. training, um, we're training how to, you know, do the steps that we know need to be done in order to, you know, yeah, stay it's connected like, um, with Jesus and each other. Yeah, it's almost like building muscle memory, almost. You know, that's great. these students right now, they are. You know, they, they, they don't have those muscles. I can't, I almost have to prompt them to read their Bible. And that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. At their age, I wasn't reading my Bible at oh, all. Oh, absolutely not. And so the, the fact that they are, sure, it might have required some intentionality on my part, but that's more than worth it is the thing. If it's going to create an 18 or a 19-year-old 
that doesn't need my prompting, that reads their Bible independently. That's something that is super key. Right, so. absolutely. So then the second half that you talked about is something that we also talked about, which is church attendance. So yeah. tell me about kind of what you guys do to yeah. help foster that. Yeah, actually, this upcoming Sunday, the main point that I make in the entire lesson for the day is start coming to both services. I think that like even more so than the Bible reading plan, this is such an easy step, especially for like you as parents that you can just get an easy win with your student and their relationship with Jesus, giving them the opportunity to make their faith their own. That's just something that's like so integral. I, I think about the students who already are doing this. There's like a handful of them that come during first service and we sit together. And I look at those students and I just see students going out of their way to follow Jesus making their faith their own. And it's, it's, it's inspiring to me just like individually. And right. I think as a, as a church, it kind of gives them the opportunity to be seen and to see what else is going on. Absolutely. Because I think if you had a student that never sat in service mm -hmm. all the way, you know, they only went to student ministry and they weren't there for two services that they are getting something out of that. However, when we talk about them leaving mm -hmm. at, you know, graduating or leaving the home and going on their own, if they've never sat into in an adult service, that's going to be a very overwhelming experience for them when they try to go to another church. Yeah. Well, it's it just like, you know, student ministry is great. But I, I, what I the one thing I want to avoid is a, a microchasming that happens where students are like, oh, yeah, I go to church, but it's actually I go with my small group or something like that. Right. I want them to see just how big and multi-generational and multi-ethnic multi this church is and stuff like that. And I think that's that's so key. And it's a, just an easy win that you can get. As Absolutely. A A few years after her prayer to God, Hannah returned to the tabernacle where she cried out to God for a child. But this time, she was not alone. Hannah brought her son, Samuel, with her. God had been faithful to answer her prayer, and Hannah recognized this gift from God. So after his birth, she named the child Samuel because in the Hebrew language, Samuel sounds like heard by God. And because of God's faithfulness, Hannah was faithful to her promise to dedicate her child to the Lord. Probably with eyes full of tears, yet a heart full of gratitude for what God had done for her, she returned to the tabernacle and found the same priest she had met on that night all those years ago. And so she said to Eli, As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So. Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And from that day on, Samuel lived at the house of the Lord, serving God alongside Eli and the other priests. I mean, can you imagine the kind of faithfulness Hannah must have to honor her promise to God? But Hannah's heart was full of such gratitude that she couldn't help but dedicate her son to the Lord. The book of 1 Samuel records that each year his mother would visit him when she would return to make sacrifices before God and, over time, God blessed her with even more children. But God had special plans for her firstborn son that she had no idea about. Samuel would grow up not only to be a priest of God, but the prophet that God would choose to speak for him to the entire nation of Israel. And one day, God spoke to Samuel and led him to the home of a young man who would become the most famous king of Israel. Samuel would anoint King David, whose family God would send his son Jesus through. 
Hannah's son would play a significant role in the story of God redeeming and restoring all of creation through the King of Kings. How could she have imagined what hung in the balance of her decision to give up her plans for her life and her child, and to trust her child to the Lord? How could she imagine Samuel anointing kings? Or how could she know the Son of God coming through one of those kings' family? How could she imagine what would happen in a nation she'd never heard of 1,500 years later when a young man named Patrick prayed to the Messiah from David's line? After more than six years enslaved in Ireland, Patrick escaped his slaveholders. He traveled more than 200 miles to board a ship back to Britain. This journey was inspired by a dream that Patrick believed was given to him by Christ. And at the age of 22, Patrick returned to the arms of his mother and father, where he lived for two years, until again he began to feel God drawing him to return to Ireland and share Christ in the land where he was once enslaved. As you can imagine, his mother and father were vehemently against this idea. It was widely believed that the Druids in Ireland would often torture and mutilate captured runaway slaves. But Patrick was firmly convinced that this was the direction Christ, who had led him out of slavery, was leading him yet again. So, years after gaining his freedom, Patrick stepped foot once again on the shores of Ireland, this time in the name of Jesus. Patrick would spend the remainder of his days traveling throughout the country, sharing the good news of Jesus and starting communities of Jesus followers. Now, it wasn't without difficulty and persecution. The tribal chiefs in Ireland, they were not always open and often violently resisted Patrick's preaching. But despite the suffering and the threats that he faced, Patrick persisted in his pursuit of Christ's mission for him. In his confessions, Patrick wrote, as every day arrives, I expect either sudden death or deception or being taken back as a slave or some such other misfortune. But I fear none of these. Since I look to the promise of heaven and have flung myself into the hands of the all-powerful God who rules as Lord everywhere. And to this day, Patrick is remembered across the world. And even though legends and myths surround his popular memory, the history of his life is proof of what can happen when we give up our pursuit of greatness and trust in God's good and pleasing and perfect will for our lives. All right, so Nathan, one of the things that I think is really hard as a parent, um, and shouldn't be, is yeah. that these kids, they don't belong to us. Yes. They God entrusted us with them. Yes. Um, he handpicked each one to go with us. Yeah. Sometimes I think we probably would say, oh, could you pick a different one? <laughs> or... <laughs> yeah, you know, the thing that's difficult about uh, is about parenting is uh, you don't always get the kid that you would pick. No, and so... <laughs> not always. But you look and you go and you look back at it and you say, thank God that I didn't get to pick. Because if you have the heart for it and you look and you say, this child has is is so perfect for me in ways that I didn't know. That I, I didn't know. Um, and you look, and there are times that it's a struggle, and there are times you think, where did this kid come from? Right. <laughs> and where, where did this happen, and why is this so difficult? But you look at it, and you just say, God had a perfect plan in mind for this, and I didn't see it all, all the time along the way. You know, as my kids are getting older, I can look back at specific times where I thought, 
This is too hard for me. This is oh, too I have tons of those where I had moments where I was like, I, I am in over my head. I don't understand, God, what you were doing here. Yes. Later on, yeah. I might see how all those pieces went together. I might not, yes. but there are... Well, maybe what times. he was changing in me. My dad right. always used to say, uh, I would hear him say it in sermons, and then he said to me, you know, the person who has to grow up the most in when you when you raise a kid is the parent. Oh. And it's true. I look at sometimes the things that I look at at my kids, and I mean, I don't think they would be embarrassed to know I said this. I look and go, why can't you do this? Oh, and why can't this I do it all the time? Is often things that I needed to let go of. You know, we started this by talking about a specific situation in, in my family right now. And the more I think about it, the more I go, you know, that's something you have to grow in, Nathan. They're a child. Right. They will grow and they will figure it out. You're 33 years old. You, you've got to at some point surrender that to Jesus. And I think to your point of these are not our kids, God did not give them to me to mold in my image. Right. They were already made in his image. Yes. And the process of following Jesus is that the Holy Spirit makes us over in Christ's image and wipes away all the brokenness, all the sin, because your kids sin and they are broken, but they but God will heal those things and make them whole. But it's our job to surrender that to him right. and go, my plan for greatness does not matter as much as his plan for their goodness. Exactly. And I think I think when it comes into all of this, the way that, you know, as we, we kind of said last week, we're going to give them assignments. I think, you know, as, as Sawyer already talked about, and you and Sawyer talked in, in, in your kind of interview about our student kind of path for kids, I think it really is seen in, in what you as a parent are willing to sacrifice. You know, when you look at how do I prioritize, my wife knows it's not just the amount of time I spend with her. It's the quality of that time that I spend with her. It's when she knows, hey, I have a big project at work. Right. getting done like this week I'm getting ready to do like a I'm taking a week off of work so trying to cram everything into this one week but I've told my wife I'm coming home at 4 30 every day and and it speaks volumes to her that matters more than the entire week I spend uh on vacation with her you know that's more amount of time but there is something that says is dad comes home every day mm -hmm. and it speaks volumes when you choose to say to your teenager even if they're angry about it which I think we're going to talk about in our next, uh, we're going to do a mini episode next week. And we're going to talk about sometimes your kid's going to be angry at you. And that's okay. And that's okay. And sometimes, Spoiler alert, it's okay. And sometimes it's 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 necessary because when, when you tell your teenager, we go to church. And so you can go to Six Flags with your friends, but you got to go on Saturday. Or you got to go after church on Sunday. Or right. you say to them, hey... We, we go, instead of saying, hey, we're going to listen to Christian music on the way to the ball field, which you should do, it speaks more volumes when you say, we don't go to the ball field on Sunday. Right. And you may miss out on this, we don't go to the ball field on Sunday. Or it speaks more volumes when you choose to say, hey, I know there's this family event that we all would like to do, but we're going to have to show up late to it. Or we may not get to go at all because we go to church on Sundays. Mm -hmm. And to be able to say to your kids, dad works a long schedule, mom works a long schedule, and we're tired and man, we would love to sleep in on Sundays and have cuddle time and have all this family time. We are willing to sacrifice that to be with the family right. of God. And that is a much louder message to our kids. Yes. Than than doing God in chunks and pieces. And it between feels like the other things. Sacrifice yes. is always going to be louder than 
than anything else. I mean, anytime somebody sacrifices for us, I mean, Jesus modeled this for us. Yes. He made the ultimate sacrifice yes. and there's nothing greater than that. So yes. sacrifices, sacrificing, you know, time, either family time, sport time, whatever, to be at church is going to be allowed sound in your kid's ear and well, it's and going I know to it's, be the right message. I know it sounds bad when we say sacrifice family time. It's not even a sacrifice of family time. It's a sacrifice of the kind of family time because you are a, oh, right. when you're a family who goes to church, church is family time. Oh, yeah. It just means it's not on the couch eating cereal, watching cartoons family time, which I'm not saying is bad ones. That's what Saturday's for. <laughs> you know, but Sunday morning is we get up and we go to church and that is our family time. And then we go to lunch and we talk about what we learned at, at church. You know, that is family time, but it's a shift of what is goodness mm-hmm. for my kid. And I know it sounds like a risk because the feeling is, well, what if my kid is angry at me and they resent church because they never got to go to Six Flags? One Think it through. Have, is is the reason that you at some point chose not to go to church because on May 7th, 1984, you wanted to go to Six Flags and your mom well, wouldn't let I you go? I just told you at the beginning. My mom, used to, my mom used to force me, and here I am. I'm right. sitting here, working at a church, having a podcast about yes. parenting. And part of it was with my mom was that she made me go to church. But yes. again, that was also something she instilled in me, even though I was mad at times and even yes. though I didn't want to be there at times. So Yeah, what are you willing? And that's why I'd say is sacrifice is always a risk. And you may be right. Maybe you'll do this and your kid will be upset. But at least you're, as we said from the beginning, you can't force them to follow Jesus. But you can say, I follow Jesus. So I go to church and that means there's a sacrifice around it. And I know this sounds weird because we're church and it's, we're church people. We work right. on a church staff and it sounds like we're saying you need church attendance because we need the attendance to be bigger. That's, That's not, not what we're saying. saying. I, I would have said the same thing a year ago when I didn't work here. Yes. Yeah. I think you think that's what it is. But we know long term, your kid's relationship with God at this point, it looks like their relationship at church. Mm-hmm. And so I begin to ask that. And so I think your assignment this week is, can you look at your calendar and say, hey, over this summer that's coming up, are we going to be able to be at church two to three Sundays out of the month? Right. Because if you're looking, you go, well, we're going to miss. We're going to be there one out of four. Or we're going to be there one out of six. Right. I'm just I'm just challenging you to look at it and say, where are you willing to sacrifice? Because we said it earlier. Are you willing to cheat good for great, or you're going to end up cheating great for good? Right. So. Uh, and it, and it, it's it's a matter of prioritizing it and yes. planning it. It's that plan for goodness. You're going yes. to plan for goodness by taking a look at that calendar yeah. and seeing where it is that you can you know, say, we are going to be there on these weeks. Plan being at church like you would plan anything else. Yes. And you're prioritizing it. And uh, start start doing that with your family. And then you set that expectation. And then they know. And it's not just about your family being here. It's about your family being here as part of the, the church, church family. family. And yeah. that is essential. Uh, tell them what they need to know, what they need to do right. before the next episode. So, 
Uh, we gave you your homework assignment, <laughs> essentially, yes. uh, to look at your schedule. Also, from last week, if you have not downloaded the ParentQ app, go to um, ParentQ and download the app. Um, connect with our church by putting in your zip code, and that will link you over to great resources for you, including... Good resources. Oh. They're not uh, great. They're not. That's true. They're not great. I'm just But they are good. They are <laughs> good really resources. Good. So anything we talk about in here, but also um, stuff going on in our church and we also will have a link to a, a form that you can put in any questions and we yeah. definitely want your questions and what else am I missing? I think that's it. Next week we okay. have a mini episode uh, and what that means is we won't have all the segments that we normally do. We'll and shortened, condensed. Yeah and we're gonna normally if we have questions we'll answer them. We won't have them because we're recording it before we right. release the first episode. But in future mini episodes, which will probably be every other week or so, we'll be able to answer questions. Right. We're going to be able to talk to some people on our staff who do different things. I think we're talking to Jason Collins next week, who so. has done some parenting uh, ministry stuff for us. And he's got some advice. And so I think it's going to be really good. And uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys. So we'll see all you not great parents next week. Next week. Have a good one. See ya.